today's Leadership of Fools, we are joined by Marika Knight. She's from Cool Karma Collected. She has absolutely lived experience in dealing with stress and mindfulness and really the tools we all need to be more present and to particularly deal with uh, phases of anxiety. So today's episode, and it's one we've kind of rushed to get out to you, is all about people leading through heightened anxiety. It covers three parts. Uh, We demystify anxiety. We try to get cut to the chase in terms of exactly what it is. Uh, Number two, we work on steps to be less anxious. And number three, especially those of you who are people managers or lead teams, uh, it's leading others through times of anxiety. What I thought I'd do is add extra notes and I'll incorporate those into our LinkedIn company page, Leadership of Fools. So if you're not already following that page, I'd highly recommend you do so. Amanda Buckley joins us from the cheap seats in terms of today's discussion. So you'll hear her pipe in a couple of different stages. Uh, I'm Colin Beatty and we are recording in my garage and uh, it's kind of Mark Maron style. My Labradoodle has been uh, unwell with a poor injury and uh, you'll hear in the background, including now birds. Uh, At one stage, I think we have a leaf blower potentially an echo and another annoying habit from me when I scrape the uh, the concrete coffee table. But we decided to go ahead anyway because the conversation is just too timely at the moment and too important. So hopefully you both enjoy, but more importantly, you get something out of it. I know I certainly did. There are things that we covered today that are tangible and actionable. So here's Marika. Only with the bushfires, just already that eco-anxiety, that idea of the uncertainty around the climate and when it was going to stop was the beginning. And You it, call it eco-anxiety? Yeah, it is, and it's been known now as that eco-anxiety and there's a lot of people really feeling that sense of like, wow, how big is this, how hard, how much um, worse is it going to get? Um, and and just that level of uncertainty around it all. So that was definitely presenting in January, as we know, particularly when the bushfires were out of control. Um, And then, you know, not very long after that, just straight into obviously Corona, which is, it's, it's funny because obviously the bushfires are so still important and we need to keep them front and center, as is the climate. Um, But now, you know, COVID-19 has just kind of, really given us a, a, a whole nother thing to kind of be anxious about, yeah. So the reason uh, we wanted to get on air and get this episode out as quickly as possible uh, is the role that leaders and particularly people managers play mm. in dealing with their own anxiety yeah. and creating an environment for their people and knowing, I suspect, how to deal with um, individuals who might present as highly anxious, um, how, uh, how we do tend to, I'd imagine, as groups and teams catastrophize mm. or somewhat feel a sense of losing control. Yeah, totally. So if I simplify this, I'd love to kind of do perhaps three things. Let's kind of demystify what this thing called anxiety is. Yeah, great. Why we have it as humans, what's good about it, what's not so good about it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, uh, particularly those of you who are people managers or leaders, what you can do to be looking after yourself. Mm. And then let's kind of finish with that sense of your role or your obligation 
to your team. Um, so that's kind of the territory. That feels like a good good way to go about it. So when you're asked to describe what anxiety is, mm. how do you do that? Where do you start? Where do you go? And I think it's really important to just quantify or qualify this information, just given that I'm not a psychologist, yep. um, that I, I am an expert in mindfulness-based stress reduction and um, have learned a lot around neuroscience and stress uh, science and, and stress psychology over the last 10 years. And so everything that I'm going to respond to you with is with that filter Great. of you know mindfulness-based stress reduction. And so when I get asked about what anxiety is, Literally, it's one in the same as stress. Yes. You know, it's a it's a, a reaction to threats that we experience. And it's a wonderful thing. Yes. Like we need stress, you know, it's it's helped us to survive as a species and to adapt and to change and to be where we're at today. Yes. The difference Wonderful and can I just yeah. say wonderful and normal. Normal. Incredibly yeah, normal. Yeah. yeah. And that's the interesting thing with anxiety because anxiety is, is the same. It's just usually it's the reaction to the threat that starts to feel like it's out of our control. Right. And that's when we kind of tap into that kind of level of, of, of full-on anxiety. Yes. And again, that's normal. You know, it's interesting when we have these mental, um, mental health discussions, sometimes we see anxiety and depression as, as, as something that's wrong with our brain or it's, the, it's, it's you know, that it's a chemical imbalance. But really what we're facing into is just an overwrought stress reaction in our system that's just, you know... Can you say it part again? So it's an over... Well, it's it's overstimulation of our stress response. Yes. And that's happening because we used to, for a really long time, for the entire evolution of our species, we've dealt with stressful encounters. Yes. We've got adrenaline to help us manage fighting off tigers or fighting, you know, significant threats, immediate significant threats. Yes. And then we've got cortisol, which is amazing at helping us to survive through famine, war, flood. So we've got these beautiful hormones that are here to help us thrive. Yes. Yet we're not using them for that. We're using them for, you know, uh, the chronic expectations we've got on ourselves to be successful. We're using them for the, you know, managing our bosses. We're using them for financial woes, for everything that we experience then has become a threat. Right. So what is absolutely part of our makeup that has helped us to survive mm. as our environment has changed mm. and sometimes the, the most uh, immediate threats or the most physical threats aren't, are no longer there yeah. or being you know, presented in very different ways, we've become, what, less used to making sense of this or I think that may, I think right. part of it is yeah. is that we have been we we have an experience of comfort that has meant that we have had a lot more inner threats so we've kind right. of cultivated a lot more of this um these inner uh, perceived threats. Yes. Um, and I think big events like the bushfires, if you notice, it puts a lot of things in perspective. Yes. Quite often you take a step back and go, wow, I'm so grateful that I have a home. Yes. I'm so grateful that my house isn't burning down. You know, there's, yes. you know, same with even COVID now. It's, I'm so grateful I've, I've got health at the moment. And so it can help put perspective. But that's not things. how everyone's going to react. No. Right. <laughs> no, no. Uh, humans do yeah. extreme you know, even even I sometimes remind myself of a road rage situation where if I'm driving home tonight and someone pulls in front of me and uh, the chemicals rush through my body that are th- designed to protect me and keep me mm. safe, but if I'm not used to that, I'm going to overreact or behave in a way that perhaps I can't control or yeah. like it. 
And that's the unfortunate thing that's happened where we really do say now these te- these techniques have become so maladaptive because we've got so much in our limbic system of our brain, which is kind of the, the deeper kind right. of um, yeah. the part of the brain that's constantly a, 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 determining the significance of threats yes. and rewards. And we've got so much information in there that we need to be on time. So when we're in the car, we need to be on time. So we're like, we're stressed out of our brain to get there and we're upset at everyone. And I'm looking at you. That. I know this is audio, but you're kind of presenting I'm gripping like the that. Steering gripping wheel. Gripping the steering wheel, shaking. Yeah. And I think it's really important for us to notice the physiological effects of this. Like right. when we talk about stress and anxiety... Quite often we just think head up that it's all happening in our, our mind. But the physical effect that that is having on us is actually where we're starting to see significant damage. Yes. yes. So, Which we're going to, I know we're going to mm, get into. Mm. Um, I, I wondered, even thinking about this conversation, I wondered, especially if we're talking about people in leadership and people management roles, how much education is reasonable mm. for about this topic. So you are uh, much more expert um, and I don't think we're asking everyone to be as expert in even in the what happens to our brain. But maybe maybe I'm being naive there. Like would you like to see people being more educated mm. in this area um, and to what extent? I feel like this is the the absolute need now of leaders to understand better what anxiety and stress is so that they have a better grasp on this whole situation because it's not just COVID, it's not just eco-anxiety, it's actually what we're facing into just across the board. Yes. So an understanding of what's actually happening for themselves yes. as well as for everyone else is really important and to have the, a, a greater sense of control over it in a way. I mean, it's interesting that I say control because we like to control things and usually anxiety comes as a result of not feeling in control. Yes. When we have greater awareness of our stress reactions and we have awareness of um, how we can start to mitigate or become more discerning in the face of stress, we we have a fair bit more sense of control of how we can move forward. So I feel like it's critical for leaders to really be on top of this and to understand it. As the same word. So if we revisit... The demystifying, if we revisit the demystifying piece around this and what a people manager or a leader would need to know, the words anxiety and stress tend to mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah? Absolutely. Whatever term you're hearing, um, whatever prefix happens before the word anxiety, like eco-anxiety, is that any different to any other form of anxiety? No, it's not. It's, it's not. Obviously, we've got other terms in the DSM model, which is like generalized anxiety, and that's yes. where it's been going on for such a long time that then we kind of chronically label someone as having a disorder in it. Yes. But really, it's just on the spectrum of how far down the, the stress-anxiety spectrum we are. Great. It's normal. It's very normal. It's helpful. It, I think we can we can definitely call it helpful, right? Because it has helped us as a species. Yes. But I do think we need to get to a point where we are actually experiencing such dangerous levels of it yes. that we need to become very careful and discerning with it. And that's right. difficult because we use it yeah. to perform. We use the adrenaline and all of that to kind of bolster our busy lives. So we've just got to step back and go, how much of it's good and how much of it is actually going to affect my health and my, my well-being? And how much of that is unique to every individual? Mm. 
is versus. I suspect there's some things we just know. Listen, if we are over-indexing on uh, stress, it will ultimately present. It'll ultimately have some sort of unfavorable consequence for us. Yeah, absolutely. Every single person. There is no, there's no person immune to cortisol and adrenaline having an effect on the body, just like a car. You know, it's just, we've got this vessel and it will do us very well if we just kind of continually come in and out of stress response, not feel chronically overloaded by it. And when we are, and we are overloaded by it at the moment, we're overloaded by, by the information that we're constantly seeing. We're overloaded by, you know, just chronic pressures and expectations we have on ourselves. So that's, they're the pressures that don't come off. So can we go into both of those? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And in a way, I think I, I, if I, put the chapter headings on this the chapter heading i'm putting right now is what do you do if you are the people manager if you are the leader Mm. in terms of uh creating your own sense of uh stress management sense Mm. of calm when have i when do i need to be more aware that i'm actually presenting as anxious Mm. and the impact that might ultimately have but let's go to those two things you said uh one was uh information Mm. and the second one was expectation so Mm. let's go with information first we live in 2020 we live with more information than ever in human history yeah and it's 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 causing a lot of troubles you know just reading the world health organization's um discussion i think it was about six days ago they talked about the infodemic and they said what we're battling with this pandemic is actually the infoendemic of just too much communication by too many people. Um, and I think one of the best, you know, media interviews I've seen over the last, you know, maybe two weeks has been Jurgen Klopp, the um, manager of um, Liverpool, right. who he basically was asked about Corona and he just said, not a question for me, thank you very much. <laughs> yes. Like I'm not going to Versus everyone else who is just going to buy into it. Yes, and just buy into their opinion, which we have to understand, especially as leaders, mm. Uh, that our opinion matters to us, yes, but if we're putting it out into a forum that other people who trust us are going to then, you know, follow, it's concerning. You know, I'm watching Instagram, I'm watching Jewel and all of these people, sorry to name Jewel, but she's... Name and shame. Name and (laughs) Jewel. But she put up a couple of infographics that she's sharing because she's obviously afraid of this in her country, but I just thought it's a bit negligent in a way because we really just need to be sticking with trusted sources. Yes. And interestingly, the WHO said the trusted sources should be people like themselves, CDC, um, you know, even STAT, the Boston Globe, very medical um, source. But really that dissemination should go to corporations and that leaders have a responsibility to be disseminating proper information to their employees. Yes. And trying to help them to navigate this infodemic too. So, I mean, that's obviously very specific to this, but we... We're living in this era where we can't control. Yeah, and, and you're right. It is specific to what we're living through right now, but it will be the same story in six months' time, mm. two years' time, five years' time. Information is not going to go away. No. Um, mixed messaging and everyone having a view is not going to go away. No. So what I'm hearing there is um, for two reasons. One is how critical, especially in a leadership role, your advice actually is, how many people rely on that. Mm. 
Um, and secondly, your own sanity or your own sense of self. Yeah, and I think that's the next part of this is yeah. first I think there's that, that, that definite need for leaders to kind of really understand that, what the part they have to play in, in that. Yes. The second is just noticing our addiction to finding out more, to knowing more because yes. that's our human tendency to kind of think if I have more knowledge, maybe I'll have more ability to control or fix this or, or make it better or do something different. So we are very logged in at the moment to just checking the news, checking the stock market, doing this, doing that, and, you know, just being on all of the time. And you'll notice one of the things I would ask any person to do in this in this time is to continually check into the body because you'll notice when you're in information gathering mode, Yes. you'll probably be feeling stress in your body. Stress will be occurring in your Before body. Before you are even aware of it anywhere else. No. And I think that's the critical point of... Um, but it, where, you well, know, but that'll be different for different people. In your body, you might feel it where? Well, I think in, we have a full stress reaction um, across our body, but we have... Um, we have the ability to notice it differently. Everybody has the ability to notice it differently. So some people might feel that racing heart. Some people might just feel tension in their shoulders or their chest or just that sense of kind of growing a bit more rigid. Yes. Yes. Um, some people will get jittery. So there's that more kind of restlessness that happens. But no matter what, if we're tuning into the body, we have awareness of the stress reaction. And right. that's a critical part of how we're going right. to move through this or navigate through this. And even if that's not necessarily... I know exactly what's triggering that. Mm. I'm probably picking up there's something I'm that uh, the hormones, the stress, the chemicals is has been stimulated to a point that I'm at that point less likely to what make good decisions, less yeah. likely to. So I think the minute we are in that that territory, and as a because we live so cognitively, we don't yes. notice what's happening in the body. But once we are in that stress activation, our brain, our prefrontal cortex, like the most important part of our brain that um, helps us to regulate, is usually offline. Right. We're in that more prehistoric part of the brain. Right. Um, and Which is more fight flight. So reactive, yeah, reactive and at its scariest sense, even the fighting over toilet, toilet paper. paper. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're witnessing in situation like that, people being quite primal. Yeah, totally. Um, very a perceived sense that there is a limited resource and I'm going to fight yeah. to the death to, for, to, it. for it. Yeah. 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 And even just, it's so fascinating. I don't know whether you've walked through the supermarkets and seen the empty shelves, the empty pasta, the empty rice, the empty this, that, and the other. But like you can notice if you tune into your body and I've done this, that instant stress reaction of, but what if there's not enough for me in a yes. week? Yes. And so already it's you're there. Own, yeah, you are, you're I, having it. It's really normal. Like yeah. you start to go, okay, I don't want to buy into this. Like yeah. at some I'm, not buying, go, yeah. I'm not buying into yeah. this at the same level, but what, what happens if yeah. I don't have enough for my family? That's right. So then you're, again, you're in that stress reaction. Right. So it's going to be happening constantly, yeah. whether it's eco-anxiety, whether it's pandemic, whether it's the next thing that we're going to be facing into, mm. we are going to be constantly be activated in our stress reaction. Yep. Yeah. I, I want to kind of, um, I know I'm about to go down two paths with you. I'm going to go back to that expectations on self. Mm. The other word that's, been a highlight already in this conversation is the word control mm. our need to control mm. living without control mm. living with uncertainty but i'm also almost tempted to go back to the start again 
if you're not educated in this topic, mm. what can and tends to happen is that sense of anxiety means mental health. It means the domain of human resources, the domain of my employee assistance program, the, the domain of the psychologist. Mm. And we're saying, yes, at its more extreme levels, yes, mm. but mostly that's not the case. Yeah. That's what I, yeah. And that's what I teach. And we, it's quite empowering when you hear that because we get this sense of, I, I have some semblance of control over this situation. It's going to take time. It's not going to be easy. I'm not going to be trying to find band-aid, you know, ways to fix this discomfort because what we're actually going to have to do is face into how uncomfortable this situation is Right. right now. Yes. So let's do that. Um, Mm -hmm. Control. Let's go to control. Let's do it. (laughs) Even before we got on mic today and we had a coffee together and we're joined by Amanda in the background. Hi. Hi, Amanda. (laughs) And uh, really, the the nature of the conversation was our own ability to try to control things that sometimes are uncontrollable. Mm. And therefore, if they are, our ability to live with that or not. Yeah. Um, When I say the word control and you're nodding, what's... Well, what do you feel like sharing I just around think that? It's, it's such a beautiful, and I think it is so important for us to keep normalizing this. Right. It's so human for us to want to control, um, you know, the greatest unknowns. Like when we're born into this world, we don't know when we're going to die. We don't, we, we, our mortality is so uncertain that that's what we're faced with this deep existential hum of like, I don't even know how this is going to go. So then it makes sense to kind of want to control things and, and put, and, and to make security, uh, a perceived security around our lives, whether that's looking after our health, whether that's looking after our financial security, all the things we can do. But some things I suspect are very conscious and other things we don't even know why we're doing it. Yeah. We're, We're accumulating things. We're surrounding ourselves with more fences and that's it. protecting ourselves and we may not even be conscious of exactly why. That's it. Right. And I think we're born into families that have different ways of coping and so we've got these strategies that we don't even see as strategies. We're yes. just like, this is just the way it is. Yep. This is the way I do it. Yep. Um, and it works for me. Yes. So there's that kind of and it, and it works and you know the conversation we were having this morning is I think when a situation like this both you know just January through to now has happened we start to see this kind of gap in um, what we can control and then just those far out circumstances in the world that are so outside of our control yeah. and then we start to kind of see you know where when we might have a skills gap or where we might not have kind of built our capacity or our resilience to to face into this most people uh who've been listening to this uh program for a while know that i'm of a certain age like i've actually turned 50 last year and and this is where i'd say this is not necessarily normal events like coronavirus i would say we've lived in my 50 years on the planet, I've seen this, but not to this extent. Mm-hmm. Like Now, when I say to this extent, I'd almost say I think it is a factor of how much information mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. you know the last pandemic type event. We would not have had, um, not saying we wouldn't have had the internet, but we wouldn't have had the social media. We didn't have Twitter. We didn't have Twitter, uh, yeah. all of those things. So um, it, it combines a couple of things, a serious health event mm-hmm. with a saturation of information Mm. and you're right, everyone having a view. So then you play out that sense of 
this feels out of control. Yes, yeah. Um, and I must admit, even myself who trying to go, well, I've, I've lived, lived, survived, thrived. In fact, I'm even in a category which might be considered more dangerous. I have mm-hmm. asthma. I had chronic asthma in my life. I'm uh, over 50. I'm male. Mm-hmm. And everything I'm hearing, actually, that's quite dangerous. I'm trying to take it seriously. Mm. But at the same time, I'm kind of... Uh, going even one step further than that, going, what does this all mean? Do I need to take my family and go into the outback? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, th- those things cross my mind in the middle of the night. Totally. And I imagine everyone's having that kind of response because it's all those different coping strategies that we're trying to find in the midst of uncertainty. Right. So it's like one thing could be to totally go, it's not a big deal. Right. It's just like the common cold. Common cold. It's just, a, it's, you know, everyone's just making a big deal about it because that's that's one way that we can kind of manage that feeling that we're having that experience yes. that's deeply uncomfortable. Another could be, let's fly the kids to some remote location and just sit it out, bunker it out. Yes. You know, there's all of these different ways that we and anywhere we are, in between and anywhere in between. Yes. Yeah. And again, it is it's just so normal that we're we're experiencing this. But I guess in this time, um, really the one thing that we can do in uncertainty and I had the quote um do you know Viktor Frankl yes yeah I mean he's he's an amazing um man's search for meaning man's search for meaning yeah so he Um, wrote that and he was a holocaust survivor for those of you who don't know him I'm sure you all do but he watched his whole family get murdered in front of him and then ended up in a you know in a concentration camp and so if you think about uncertain times yes that man lived through them yes and his whole take on how people psychologically thrived and and were stress hardy in the face of that um, can be really helpful for us in this moment. Yes. So one of his um, quotes was, when we are no longer able to change our situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Can you read that one more time? When we are no longer challenged... Sorry. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Right. And so this is where we are at now. Yes. And this is the thing that we can do. The question you keep coming back to is, so we, we have anxiety, we have stress. Um, let's demystify that it's something that we need a pill for right now because the majority of us will be experiencing anxiety. You're, I'm make, not you're making me smile. We need it. <laughs> Geez, we need a pill for we it. Need, yeah. yeah, wouldn't it be nice to just have a pill? Wouldn't it be nice to have a vaccine, but then just a pill to manage this? But yeah. we don't need that right now. What we need is to start to challenge our responses to this. Right. And that's going to be hard. Yes. <laughs> you know. So let's, um, again, in fact, let's go a little deeper into that. When I hear that term, um, and let me test my, my thinking, mm-hmm. when I hear that term, I think, can I afford to be more reflective during this time can i actually sit with things a little longer yeah. not just instantly respond can i surround myself with people who are people i trust and people who uh, are not going to uh, exaggerate or amplify or mm. or make me feel less than worthy yeah um uh, things what what else i'm thinking I'm thinking, what can I do to change myself? Yeah. Not automatic pilot, be more reflective, considered. Secondly, who I surround myself with. Three, you've already said this, actually contemplate the sources you're relying on. Yeah. The sources of information you're relying on. Yeah. And are they uh, worth relying on? Mm -hmm. 
Um, what else comes to your mind? Well, so I think then we, we get to that point of how do we actually, this is kind of one of those events where we have this capacity to really, it's like we're in the, the full hard training, you know, when we're, we're, we're really doing the hard work, maybe we're, we're going on a massive hike and we're going to have to just put in the hard yards of actually continually stress regulating and tuning in. So there's some really simple, when I hear lots of people, news outlets saying, don't panic, you know, be prepared, (laughs) don't panic, just don't stress. Let's actually give some simple tools how to do that because okay. I think sometimes we don't know. Like yes. get out of autopilot. How in this moment when yes. all I know? So I think the first one is that we need to stop. We need to stop and take some breaths and actually critically observe our stress reaction in our body. Right. And the reason I say observe it in our body and not like kind of get into the mindset of it is that when we have the awareness of the stress reaction in our body, we've already tapped into the prefrontal cortex. Okay. So we're bringing it back online. Yes. So if we can sit with a racing heart with, you know, and what else can I feel in my body and what else can I feel in my body and what else can I feel for even 30 seconds where we are in a far better space to respond than if we don't pay attention to our physical body. So in other words, we're doing something to take control of our response. Yeah. yeah. Mm. By literally not actually thinking about it. I sometimes think mm. we can just, we, we try and fight stress with more thoughts, but this is a little bit, you know, alternative. And I, but really, if we can just be with our body with the stress reaction and turn towards that, and it can feel kind of uncomfortable because it is a stress reaction. But by doing that, we are we have to trust that our system, which has been doing this for millions of years, Homo sapiens for three hundred thousand, not just our time not just our, our little timeline, but it's intelligent and it will actually start to go. Hey, there's no significant threat right in this moment yes. because that's the reality. Yes. There's no significant threat right in this moment. Yes. Can I add? Sorry, I'm off. No, mic. please. Um, that's exactly how I deal with stage nerves. Ah, uh, yeah. And when people ask us, how do you handle, like, do you still get nervous? I get nervous every show. But what I do is go, Whew, okay, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. And we talk to each other just like, how are you feeling? Man, I'm nervous. I can feel this. I feel like, yeah. oh, okay, my heart's racing. All right, it must mean I'm ready. You that's know, so we, we turn it into the... I've got the thing ready now to give a good performance. Yeah. Um, but yes, rather than let it be the silent thing in the room where you go, I can't tell them how nervous I am. And yeah. um, I think, man, you make such a good point there because I think we can say, I have this anxiety, even though the threat's not like right there, that sense of feeling like, oh, I'm ready for this. Like we can harness then the energy rather than just kind of being in this kind of like reactive um, spinning out of control. So I think the way that you've just described it is beautiful. It's like noticing it's there and then going, I'm ready to, to go into battle today with whatever this is yes i can run yeah. from the tiger i can run from the tiger yeah. yeah or i can i can i can be with my people in this i can i can hold their discomfort in this um because i'm ready and i've harnessed my stress reaction in a different way to just autopilot for me uh i often judge the effectiveness of leadership i'm going to come before we finish this conversation we'll come to leadership in terms of responsibility to the people Mm. The mm-hmm. people management, the people, yeah. the team part of your role. But I often judge leadership by the quality of decisions that are made. Yeah. And not just in the short term, but in the, in the long term. And I think uh, all three of us have done our own uh, bit of research about some of the things. That, and it's not just uh, this current virus, but, you know, the types of world events or potentially 
climate events or other situation, political events and their ramifications, I think it's your ability to make good decisions mm. and good decisions often come from gathering information, mm. uh, using judgment, testing ideas, being curious, being open, mm. uh, not necessarily rushing despite everyone's pressure. Yeah to say we need to make a call right now, mm. and usually that's not really the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we're hearing from incredible experts in this is to also contemplate the unexpected outcome of your decision. Mm. So uh, politicians right now are facing incredibly um, decisions they may never have contemplated making in their life except in perhaps in wartime. Totally. Um, and most people haven't lived through wartime. Mm. Uh, so in that respect, it's trying to think through what decision am I leaning towards right now and what, mm. is, what is its ramifications? What I'm describing right now requires performance in the sense of clarity mm. and a sense of self and a sense of am I making sense of this without uh, every other bias and every other problem that could kick in, mm. including what we're saying right now our own human need to survive. Yeah. Um, so, and that's playing out every single day. Your body is mm. keeping you alive. Yeah. Um, and it's triggering things that feel slightly dangerous or this is different. Mm. These are these are normal things that even, and I'm kind of going back to you, Amanda, that sense of for leaders, they're getting on stage can sometimes be as simple and as complicated as the idea of I'm about to make a decision, which mm. will have ramifications. That's right. Yeah. Expectations. We talked a bit about control. I suspect we might come back to it. Mm. Uh, expectations that in 2020 people seem to be putting, um, maybe that's been happening for a long, long time, but we're probably perhaps putting on more expectations on ourselves than ever before. Mm. Yeah. How do you see that playing out? I, I feel like the... Um, quite possibly it's been in the advent of the technological era too, just because the pace has become faster just as a result of, you know, technology. And I think that we, again, it was a very, it's been a very reactive approach to technology. New technology has been implemented and we've just gone with it. And that's okay, you know, but we've never kind of taken that step back again and gone, how do I actually want to interface with this? And so instead our expectations of self have just become, I've got to do more. I've got to find much. Like, so there's just these This is cool. Everyone else is using it. I need to, I need to get up to speed without contemplating what impact is that making on me, my physical health, my mental health, my ability to make decisions, my ability to manage, manage, ability, yeah. ability to be present. Yeah, completely. Um, and that's something I'd emphasize again, our ability to be present versus mm. I suspect right now we're somewhere in the future. Most yeah. of us, we're living somewhere in, in a future we don't actually, we're not able to control yeah. and we're actually losing touch with what is it like to be here and now? Yeah, completely. Yeah. And so I think those expectations that we have are, they're just completely future. It's like yeah. also those kind of things of like, if I just do this, then I'll yeah. feel better. Like, or, you know, those constant benchmarks that we put on ourselves, which aren't actually going to give us any semblance of ease. Right. Um, yet presence just coming back is going to be more helpful. So I think expectations are just a real inner threat. And 
and so that again when we talk about um you know stress response and, and anxiety we are just so overloaded it's it's known as uh, allostatic load the the whole body is overloaded so it's no wonder that then that taps us into very anxious thinking like overthinking and and getting into you know really scary rumination and projection patterns i want to go to the teams we're leading mm. so um I hope and suspect that, you know, uh, a lot of people will be listening to this and they may not have people management responsibilities. Um, and if that's the case, um, I'm also really cool if you want to pause right now and uh, go on and kind of work on yourself. But a lot of people listening also have that people management responsibility. Um, maybe I, I want to start, and again, please, if there's anything I'm saying that you're not feeling comfortable with or you think there's a different take on it, please yeah. add to that. Uh, I'm going to use a slightly different example. I'm constantly struck with how many people will say to me, especially early on in their careers, their leadership careers, how do I motivate my team? Mm. And I'll often say, that's that's a cra- almost say it's a crazy question. Like you can't mm. motivate your team. Mm. Um, all you can do is two things. And this goes back to the control. Mm. You get to control your level of motivation and secondly, you get to control aspects of the environment that people work in, e.g., do you give clarity for your mm. people? Do you uh, recognise good performance? Do you address underperformance or uh, people that are working outside behaviours or, or values? So really, the environment, is it a safe environment uh, for people to speak up, yeah. physically safe? Uh, is, it, uh, is it an environment that is actually stimulating because we bring in new ideas and new thinking. All of these really say that's things you can control, Mm. but you can't actually motivate someone else. That's their choice. Mm. And I'm wondering whether anxiety is a little the the same. Mm. You can't manage everyone's anxiety. And yet I sometimes think leaders wear that responsibility Mm. and hold that. Yeah, and I think it's part of this culture of kind of wanting someone else to fix it. Yes. um, That we all play into, you know, we all have a part in that. But I think you're so right, Colin, the the main things we can manage as as leaders is our own response and how we are managing in these situations. And, you know, that that sense of putting the oxygen mask on first, doing the work, being grounded, being really in that space where we can can then be with our teams and allow them the opportunity to voice their concerns. Because if we're reactive and we're kind of in that default mode, we're not allowing that psychological safety for them to feel like they can come to their leaders. So yes. it really is critical that it starts with the leader and yes. then, yeah, the environment, how do you control the things that you can control yes. to, to enable them to, to feel empowered to do their own work. So let's, let's have a, a guess. Uh, it's, it's our educated guess that there'll be a lot of teams, a lot of individuals within workplaces including schools, societies, church groups, community groups, all experiencing their own level of anxiety around uh, what do I do for myself and what do I do for my loved ones and my families. So again, these are normal, might not feel like normal times, but these are normal responses. Yeah. Um, You as a leader cannot own all of that. No. Uh, You cannot be responsible for all of that. Uh, in fact, it, that will only result in 
or complete burnout for yourself. Yeah. 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 And so I think that's super important. Mm. It kind of, you alluded to the oxygen term that Mm. they talk about on a plane, like before giving oxygen to your children, just, you know, take a couple of breaths yourself, get grounded yourself. Yeah. What doesn't feel normal? And what I mean by that is what might a leader be looking out for in others that might feel like actually this is perhaps beyond me. Mm. Um, so let's perhaps start there. Is there any read on that that you have? And I know, I know it's probably an impossible question because it's always very individualized. It is, and I think it is that kind of sense of wanting to control that outcome, the yep. worst outcome. Yep. I think it's just in. Uh, yeah, obviously you can look for signs. You know, you're going to see people that are, are stressed, and you can, if you can read it in yourself, the 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 brain's more capable of reading it in others. Yes. Um. So you might see that people are more tense, that there is kind of that more adrenaline kind of sense over the environment. When it comes to people who might have gone, you know, to that next step, maybe it's real over over emotionality, like you know, falling into tears quite quickly, or yes. um. But you really can't, like, we can't just give one symptom and say that's definitely a person that's going to be struggling more than the rest. I just think it's really important to have um, access to to support for all of the staff and say the EAP is here. This is to try and give them, empower them to kind of seek for help if they know that they're... And I suspect, and again, I don't know whether this helps, but I hope it does. Um, I think there's something else about our our brains and our bodies that actually does indicate when we're out of our depth. Yeah. Um, and we are offering to people, let's do educate yourself. But if you do not feel ready and if you do not feel educated, um, it's probably worth seeking that extra expertise out, whether mm. that's from your HR department or mm-hmm. your ERP, EAP mm. uh, or others or other leaders. Yes. Like absolutely. you don't always have to go instantly to the resident experts, it Mm. can be um, someone who's more experienced. Yeah. So So Marika, just a question from me. Um, I'm wondering what is the, if we can't minimize our stress or if we don't take time to look at stress and anxiety and minimize it, what are the implications? And I, yeah, I think that's the most important thing for us because we can actually recognize that the implications of stress is our physical health. We are actually going to affect our immune system. We're going to affect our heart health. We're going to affect our digestive health. So we know stress plays that role on our system. And when we're having these kind of, you know, worrying episodes or we're getting into rumination and projection massively around things like COVID, it's great for us to recognise that that's actually doing a lot more harm for us than good. Um, Especially if that can't be directed to towards something. Towards an yeah. actual threat. So, uh, yeah, okay. So, and again, I reckon this is worth, in the spirit of demystifying all of this, when stress and anxiety kicks in, it's a normal uh, human response to threat. And if we can't actually complete, you know, whether it's uh, actually run fast enough to get away from it yeah. or fight back when we don't do that it keeps on staying in our body and building and that's known as the zone of danger when we're in a place where it hasn't come down and we've just got that chronic level of adrenaline cortisol then it's going to have significant impacts on our body so in this instance with you know eco-anxiety and you know things like pandemic um that constant chronic anxiety that we might feel is actually going to do us a whole lot of harm so it's the self 
what is it? The self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes, like, so exactly. We, and yeah. oh my gosh, oh, and that comes back to the great quote you said, which is you've got to change. You can't, the situation won't change, yeah. but you can. And I'll add the last, you know, quote that Viktor Frankl had that is actually giving us that power. He says, between stimulus and reaction, there is a space. And in that space lies our our growth and our freedom. And so now is this opportunity for us to, every time we notice that we're getting into that stressful thinking, take a space, take a breath, and recognize that that's probably going to get us into a lot more harm than just staying present with what's actually happening right in this moment. And you said danger zone or the zone of danger. <laughs> I, look, just as a helpful tip, I think when I feel that in myself, I'm just going to start singing Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone and I'll feel immediately better You're from Top Gun. <laughs> Driving through the danger zone. Oh, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm so wanting to join in. <laughs> you didn't know what my response was going to be then, did you? Was it that? Like I looked so vagued oh, out yeah. that I might not have even recognised it. I was just going, no, let's all sing it. <laughs> I was going to get us to sing the Beatles, let it be, but oh, that's even more that's sad. And, yeah, but again, it's like, just let it be. It's okay, let it be. For the record, Colin, we should tell people that we are sat on the floor around a coffee table because we're in the in the in the bunker of podcasting we're not right in now. the danger we're not zone. in the danger zone no it's just a makeshift uh necessity what is it necessity is the mother of all invention That's right. um m- morning thanks we're going to go back to um we're going to go back to in fact just make a maybe make a note we're at 48 minutes yeah and i'll i'll carve that piece out so the, the final piece and mm. we've already covered in terms of what leaders are doing for their people, mm. takeaway so far, you can't fix everyone. Mm. That's not your job. You can control environment. You can control your own sense of how you're going to be with your people. Mm. Are you going to be listening? Are you going to be uh, considered present, making good decisions, mm. uh, not buying in? What I think that means, you gave that example of the Liverpool manager who wouldn't buy in to uh, expressing an opinion that Mm. you don't really have a role or a right to express. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're kind of moving away from the idea of what doesn't feel normal to what is normal Mm. and what role do you play. Mm. So when you think about people's responsibility to others, I think the, the, the sense of actually really normalising and saying we're all uncertain as a leader standing up and saying I feel uncertain, I feel, you know, out of my depths at time, I'm having a stress reaction to this event is a really great way to kind of help people understand that it is a very human response. And Can I slow you down normal. on that? Because I reckon yeah. this is um, I reckon this is really tricky because I'm still under the impression that a lot of people, especially who work in bigger organisations, feel this sense that I can't say that. Mm. Uh, I can only, and I don't think they're even saying to themselves, I'm going to work the company line, but they're almost saying I need to be positive because mm. that will influence my group. Well, what do you do if you're not feeling especially positive? And I think this is like that idea that if we, 
there's a great analogy of when we get into well we don't have to do this in Australia but a lot of my teachers over in the states talk about being out driving uh, in black ice and how they come into skids and how the human tendency is to just pull out of the skid as hard as you can with positivity with all that kind of stuff and you feel that kind of sense of fighting against what's happening as opposed to if you turn just slightly towards the skid how the velocity and everything in the car wants to write us out of the of the danger i would say this is this opportunity for leaders to turn a little bit more into what might be very uncomfortable territory for them to say this is uncertain we don't know where this is headed this is you know we are going to do our best to kind of navigate this with presence with you know um the, the the right facts to stay really grounded that to me feels like a much safer vehicle to to take our teams out of this situation than turning out of that skid yeah i love that um i, I love that as an ana- analogy like i think it even if it's not something you've experienced before it's that tendency for us to um either find and in a way, I think it's a ways of avoiding. Mm. We tend to think about ways of avoiding having this conversation, facing into this discomfort. Mm. And sometimes we do it by intellectualizing situations, yeah. you know, uh, gathering facts and data and using that to prove something. Sometimes we do that by being overly positive mm-hmm. and uh, not authentic around that, not genuine, just turning up something that's not really that human. Mm. Like, uh, I must, uh, what I do affects my team every day. I'd almost say that's kind of almost a bit of an arrogant statement. Mm. Um, totally. Everyone in your team, particularly in a workplace, is over 18 years of age and they're their own adult and they mm. make their own choices. Mm-hmm. Being uh, over the top positive is also not the answer. And nor is, you know, just pretending it's not even happening, which we're seeing a lot of too. Oh, this stupid thing, it'll go away. So there's lots of those different ways that we kind of exactly try and navigate away from or stay away from this very deeply uncomfortable thing, which is we're all in this together. Yes. (laughs) And it's quite uncomfortable for us all to kind of navigate and it, maybe it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. How <laughs> nice would it be for, you know, leaders to just go onto the floor with their team and say, this is how we feel, you yeah. know, and how are you guys feeling and just meet it at that place. Without that level of hysteria, like I, I understand that we can then get into like this gossip and we don't want that either. Then it's like, what can we do to empower people to feel as grounded, as as capable of meeting these challenges? Because this is the beautiful thing about times like this or when we're, when we're facing great challenges that are really going to actually impact us is we have this opportunity to step up to change it's that thing that Victor Frankl's talking about like now we can actually improve ourselves and actually make ourselves more equipped to dealing with this in the future which we're going to have to and you're you're absolutely right and there's two things I'd highlight the term meeting meeting it where it's at or where Mm. your people are at Uh, there's something incredibly powerful about that so it's not not running away from it, not avoiding it, not exaggerating it, not, it's just meeting it where it's at. Meet, mm-hmm. meet your people where they're at, mm-hmm. including yourself. Yeah, I'm uncertain too. Yeah. Uh, yes, this sucks a bit. Yeah. Uh, sucks a lot. Mm. Uh, whatever the terms might be. So keep it, keep it normal, keep it human. Mm. And the other thing that I started to be triggered by in terms of what you were thinking, this often is when humans collectively come to be at their best. Um, we, 
We, in an Australian setting, and I know California experiences this too, being two of the worst places in the world for bushfires, mm. uh, we, for every bad story and uh, every story of um, genuine sorrow, there's a story of heroics and communities coming together and people doing amazing things and looking out yeah. for each other. Yeah. This is another one of those times. It is. And it's a time like that for community, but it's also a time for our own personal growth to kind of meet the anxieties we're feeling in a different way or choose a different response. Yes. Because if we do that now, we're setting ourselves up maybe in four months' time when this is not even a blip on our radar, hopefully, um, to maybe not be gripping the steering wheel when we're going to work thinking that time really matters, that we're kind of going, oh, I've actually done the really hard training in my brain and I recognise that that's actually not a threat anymore. Yeah. So yeah. how nice would that feel if yeah. we actually saw this as an opportunity to really kind of retrain ourselves and get a lot more discerning about stress and anxiety? I'm temp- There's a part of me that's tempted to start to bring this to a close, but i tell you where my head went just right then. I can't help but say it. What do you advise when you're witnessing really selfish behavior? Like, I think I'm almost picturing, you know, whether we're all seeing it on a YouTube clip, what, what happens when humans are definitely not at their best and they kick into self-preservation? Mm. Um, and even witnessing that often fires people up. Like, yeah. is it... Like this feels also part of not just what you do for your team, but the, how you deal with your community. Yeah, and I think that that's a really important thing if we think about it even just from our evolutionary perspective again. We're hardwired for compassion. We're hardwired for judgment. If we tap into the... For both. For both. And it's it's wonderful because we need the judgment because we needed to fight against tribes and band together and, and manage. And the compassion bit was how we stayed together as a tribe and how we looked after our young because unfortunately humans have to look after young for a really long time, 28 years apparently these days. Like, it's a years. long oh, time, you know. So those two, <laughs> maybe 22, no. I don't know, <laughs> staring into that skin. Um, but I think when it comes to that otherness that we create, when we have that sense of like, I, my clan is my little nuclear family and we need toilet paper and everyone else is in the out, like a very real thing happens in the brain where we don't have the capacity for any um, compassion for others or any empathy. We actually don't, we, we, our brain doesn't respond that way. Whereas if we're able to see this sense of we're all in this together, this is a human experience that's happening. A very real thing happens where we all understand, we, we have that deeper understanding that we're all feeling scared. We're all feeling anxious. We're all meeting this, um, together. And that brings about the best of humanity. It's, and it's a much more easeful place to be in the body. Yeah. We are not in any way, even in those last couple of comments, I think what we, what we are actually talking about is not, again, abnormal or over the top. No. It's faced with a choice of do I do something for self versus selfless? Mm. More often than not, it will be the selfless activity mm. that will help everyone, including yourself. Mm. Like we are, uh, we live in a time where we have incredi- incredible emergency services. We live in a time where our medical treatment is, you know, every year uh, we we discover something amazing More and incredible. Mm. Um, there often is a pill, mm. 
rightly or wrongly. Mm. Uh, there is incredible amount of information. Mm. We are more educated than ever before. There are so many good things. Mm. And when we work together, we're amazing. Mm. Um, when we uh, when we bunker down completely on our own, isolate. Mm. Um, usually one of two things happen in isolation. We're much more vulnerable mm. and we create war and conflict. Yeah. Um, so it's a together moment. It's a together moment. And the last thing I'd say about when we do isolate is again, it just reinforces the thing, the feeling that maybe we're the only ones really experiencing it to this severity. But the more we have this together moment, the more we normalize it, the more we might be able to tackle this together, the, the better it will feel. And to be honest, in terms of stress response, if we're connecting in that way with empathy and compassion, it's the it's the best antidote to stress. Right. So then all of a sudden we're getting into the rest and digest system, which is the part that really wants to make this system optimal. Right. The system, when I say system, is our body. body yeah. So if we're actually being in community, we're doing good things, we're going to, you know, um, people in our neighborhood that might need some extra toilet paper and we're doing that's actually going to have such a good response on our immunity so like even just choosing to do it selfishly for that 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 feeling that we're going to have is is also powerful and instant karma and you instant know karma. you're gonna be yeah do you want to be a better human do nice things yeah it'll come back it'll come back for you well it comes back and again the lead i take from that is this is actually a, a moment about choices mm. And one of the things, and it goes back to the Victor Frankl piece, the, mm. that sensation where a lot of his freedoms and his family freedoms had been taken away, he still had the freedom of his own choice. His own choice. Um, and I think that's what we're actually experiencing yeah. right now, and, that and everyone gets to make their own choices. That's yeah. right. And, and freedom's taken away in the most horrific way. Yeah. Not in a way that we will ever know because we are still so much more privileged and the majority of us are anyway like i'm obviously there's people out there and they're Mm. the ones we need to look out for that's exactly it and that's why i think those those two quotes just they should be they should be you should be printing them out and putting them on your work workplace because if we can just keep reminding ourselves of that opportunity to have that choice um, and to take that space and to pause and to slow down in the face of this urgency that we're experiencing, uh, we are going to do well by ourselves, by our family, by everyone. Which leads me to just, again, I anchor this in the spirit of effective leadership. Yes. That... Your ability to make uh, by being present, by being grounded, by being thoughtful, by being considered, your ability to make better decisions, but better decisions that will stack up in the long term. Mm. Uh, None of us can predict exactly how anything's going to play out. Let's be candid. Anything's going to play out. But what we can know is that certain decisions we make today will have ramifications for tomorrow. Mm. And can you live with... You know, when you look yourself in the mirror, can you live with the fact that you made the best decision you could mm. at that time? Uh, also about yourself, also about your family, also about your team, also about your organisation and your community. Can I just canvas that with a whole lot of kindness? Yeah. <laughs> because be I gentle. Think, be gentle. And I, I really like the, you know, we need to be gentle as leaders too because we are operating um, with, with the very best resources we have at, at hand and to just also have that element of, of, of gentleness with ourselves in this time too. Yeah, which also means it is more than okay if you don't feel ready to make those types of decisions. And I'm not talking about, 
you know, major, major decisions. It's just the normal decisions we make every day. Mm. But if you're feeling like the state you're in and the pressures you're experiencing are making that harder and harder, mm. that is another sign. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's another sign. Your body's probably been telling you before your head's been yes, telling yeah. you. Yeah, and it's time to get that prefrontal cortex back online. No. But what, top of mind response, when I say the word, what should a leader know about anxiety? They should know what? I think they should know that it is normal in this time, uh, that it is a physical response, that we need to get really smart with how we handle it because it can really affect our physical health and that's the most important thing we've got right now and our mental health um, and that there are ways that we can navigate anxiety better. Which uh, the second chapter heading would be what can you do for yourself as a leader, which kind of is that almost that last bullet point. Yeah. Things like? So really simple tools like stopping, taking a breath, uh, observing bodily uh, what's actually happening in the body, just knowing that by doing that you're bringing your prefrontal cortex or that that um, you know top down executive functioning mode online. So that's really critical. Um, going outside for a walk, getting fresh air, things that are going to activate your um, parasympathetic nervous system are really key right now. Um, sleep, really good sleep. You know, do sleep meditations if you need. Nutrition, all of these things are going to help with optimal health. So, you know, they're simple things you can do. Um, and also just recognising that you are also going to experience these emotions and, and, and normalising that. And finally, your responsibility to others, especially in this case, your team. And for me, that it's really that feeling of like, let's turn into the skid together. Yeah. You know, have the... Um, if you can, you know, really have the courage to go there with your team in this because I think that's what we need um, more of as leaders to kind of do that. And however you want to do that is, is up to you. It's not, there's not a, pers- a, a one prescription, but to think about that, how do we navigate towards this rather than having all of those um, automatic and habitual ways of reacting, let's be more present and really assess right now how we can navigate this. Marika Knight, Amanda Buckley, Colin Beattie. This has been a great conversation. It's got me thinking already. Oh, I'm, um, I'm loving it. You're loving it? Yeah.